Loved ones, my name is Paul Lawler. I have the honor of serving as the lead pastor here at Christ Church. We welcome you. We welcome all our guests this morning. Uh, I want to share with you for just a moment out of Isaiah uh, chapter 9, verse 6. I'm going to teach from one little phrase out of this verse, which I'll identify in, in just a moment. This will be a little briefer than normal. I hope that's a comfort to you in some way. Uh, but hear the word of God. Isaiah 9, verse 6. It reads like this, for unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And the one phrase that I want to lift out this morning is this one, he's a wonderful counselor. Now, church, we will not have time this morning to exhaust the reality of that truth. We could camp in the book of Proverbs alone and discover the breadth of his counsel. We could camp in the Sermon on the Mount and discover the depth of his counsel. We could look at the Olivet Discourse, or shall we say, really, all of Scripture and not exhaust the depth of our wonderful counselor. But what I want to do for a few moments is simply identify three arenas that are life-giving from the wonderful counselor, Jesus, this morning. And we'll identify those. I'm going to name them on the front end rather than just introducing them in outline form. What I'm going to cover for a few moments is this. Our wonderful counselor gifts us with life-giving counsel around our guilt, our grief, or excuse me, our guilt, our grief, and our grudges. Let's talk about guilt for just a moment. All of us, as the scripture has taught, at times that we've crossed boundaries. That's why the scripture says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But we're also all made in the image of God. And we really weren't designed for sin and its effects. One of the beauties when Christ returns is there shall be no more crying, there'll be no more heartache, there'll be no more disease, no more sin that will be prevalent among us that we will be restored as God originally intended in creation. That's a whole nother arena to discuss. But the picture is that I want to invite you to consider is that we were not designed for sin and the effects of sin. Your pituitary gland at the base of your brain has a hormone that it regulates, many hormones that it regulates. When a person feels guilty over something they've done, your pituitary gland will regulate a hormone that indicates a feeling to your body. It's the feeling of of guilt and sometimes it can even be manipulated into dimensions of shame. When your pituitary gland regulates this hormone over a period of time, it actually suppresses your immune system. You begin to feel the blues and the blahs and you're not quite fully as radiant as you were before. Now I'm illustrating this in this way to say that God in his mercy has provided the anecdote, or excuse me, the antidote to that problem in the person of Jesus Christ. He has given us wonderful counsel. 
because when we cross a boundary, like we, like sheep, have all gone astray, the antidote is the person of Jesus. And you know that the scripture declares the following, if we confess our sin, and that means to come into agreement with God, that God, I have crossed a boundary, I have sinned, I have made this mistake. If we confess our sin, God is faithful. He is just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And thus, our wonderful counselor gives us insight uh, to, for the captive to be set free. And that is to live a flourishing life rather than a life that is dominated by effects of the fall. Our wonderful counselor has given us insight uh, to flourish despite the fact that there is human depravity that is prevalent among us. You remember a number of years ago, some of you were older enough to remember an episode in Tiger Woods' life where he crossed some boundaries. And I am aware, just like many of you, Tiger Woods is Buddhist. Now, I'm not here to beat up on Buddhists. That's not my point. But what I'm aware of is that in Buddhism, there's no framework for forgiveness. There's a framework for discipline and trying harder, but there's not a framework for the human heart to experience forgiveness. This is unique to Christ and Christianity. And our wonderful counselor has made a way for us to we have to receive the ministry for our greatest need, for God to minister to our guilt and for our, for our experience of his forgiveness through his death, burial, resurrection, and ascension. He is a wonderful counselor. Secondly, he's a wonderful counselor because he ministers into the fallenness of the human condition when we encounter grief. We live in a fallen world and living in a fallen world, things will go wrong at times. I remember in 2005 when my phone rang and I was informed that a very close family member was in a medical crisis and that family member went to be with the Lord within 24 hours. And I remember the depth of grief that gripped me personally and gripped our family. I would submit to you that even I would never choose that episode in my personal life, but I remember grieving deeply, weeping uncontrollably. And even in the tears, at the same time feeling a presence that I didn't have an explanation for, hurting deeply, yet anchored with a presence. Jesus said that because he came and because he goes to the Father that he has sent what's called a person called the paraclete. That's the Greek word, one of the Greek words for the Holy Spirit. The word paraclete means one called alongside to help. When John was writing about the paraclete, the Holy Spirit, many of your 
Bibles translate the person of the Holy Spirit as a comforter. I remember in that season, and I know I'm not the only one in this sanctuary that's experienced this. I remember that season in my life feeling deep pain, hurt, sadness, and at the same time knowing a comfort that transcended logic in the presence of the living God. You know, God has given us the ability to grieve as a gift. It's a gift of his grace. Behaviorists tell us that there are five languages to grief. Mad, which means sometimes when we're grieving, we feel anger. Mad, sad, glad, which glad represents that at times when we're grieving, we can get cynical and sarcastic. Mad, sad, glad, scared, or hurt. And we even see this illustrated in the New Testament. Jesus, the Son of Man, when Lazarus is dead, Jesus looks at the scene and the Bible tells us in many, the, the shortest verse in all of Scripture that says the following. Say it with me. Jesus wept. And what Jesus is demonstrating is a language of grief, a very grace from God that he's able to grieve what's happened and what's happening as he demonstrates sadness over death. And the picture that we see is that as we are wired to grieve and the paraclete comes alongside in our lives and meets us in those moments, the wonderful counselor is available to us to minister to us, even in our grief, loved ones. Oh, the wonderful counselor ministers over our lives in regard to our guilt, freeing us from guilt and shame through forgiveness. Our wonderful counselor meets us in our grief. And then thirdly, our wonderful counselor meets us in our grudges. Now, Jesus once said this, it is inevitable that stumbling blocks shall come. So the word stumbling block means traps. And often those traps come by taking up an offense. In fact, Jesus even said that in the context of the inevitability of stumbling blocks, he said the love of many will grow cold in the last days. And, and then he talked about this inevitability of stumbling blocks, which is illustrating that there are many people who would grow offended at one another. And we'll teach on that at another time. But what we're illustrating or what I'm seeking to illustrate is the reality that because people are human, people will let you down at times. People will disappoint you at times. People will hurt you at times. People will even betray you at times. And Jesus experienced all of these things but as our wonderful counselor, he gave us advice. And he gave us advice specifically around forgiveness. You all know the story, and I'm going to transliterate it and modernize it a bit. When the man is forgiven of a hundred billion dollar debt, now that's not literally what's in the scripture. I'm, I, I'm transliterating, okay? He's forgiven a hundred billion dollar debt. And he pleads for mercy, and the man grants it to him. And then you know the story, Jesus tells, the man then leaves that scene, and he walks three blocks, and he sees a guy that owes him 20 bucks, and he grabs him by the collar and says, give me my 20 bucks, I demand it. And you understand what Jesus is illustrating there. 
He's illustrating the reality that in Christ, through the cross of Christ, that our sin, our billion-dollar debt of sin has been forgiven, washed. So in light of receiving mercy from God, not getting what we deserve, in light of our sin, in light of receiving grace from God, the wonderful counselor shares with us that we're to turn and extend mercy that we've received and grace that we receive toward people who have also betrayed us, rebelled against us, hurt us, spoken against us. In fact, he says in the Lord's Prayer that we prayed just a moment ago, that we're taught from the wonderful counselor, forgive us of our trespasses, say it with me, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And that's so important that Jesus actually says it twice when he finishes the Lord's Prayer. He goes on and says once again, the only phrase he lifts out of the Lord's Prayer and repeats, and he says in the same way that you forgive others will be the same way that the Father will forgive you. Now, I want to invite you to weigh that for a moment on this Christmas day. What that tells us is that unforgiveness is unforgivable. Maybe that'll give you something to think about over lunch today. Do you realize unforgiveness is the only sin that eats its own container? Anne Lamont once said that unforgiveness is like eating rat poison and waiting for the rat to die because of what it's doing to your own soul. Our wonderful counselor wants to set you free to forgive the man or forgive the woman or forgive the person who has wounded you, portrayed you, just as you have received his mercy to extend mercy to others. Oh, loved ones, he's a wonderful counselor. He's mighty God. And he's such a wonderful counselor that in Christ, he forgives sin, setting you free from guilt and shame. He's a wonderful counselor, ministers to us in the brokenness of the human condition, even in the midst of our grief. He's a wonderful counselor because he frees us to have the capacity in Christ to forgive those that have wounded us, disappointed us, hurt us in some way so that we are free and free indeed. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. Would you pray with me for a moment? Now God, even on this Christmas day, I would surmise because of the brokenness of the human condition that there are persons here who have been wounded, might be from a family member, might be from a business associate, might be from someone who's really close, it may be someone who's not. But God, we pray for one another today that we would get free and that we would choose even now to forgive her, to forgive him. Just as you have given us mercy, Lord, give grace and mercy for us to extend it to others. And Lord, we pray, set the captive free, wonderful counselor. God, because of the brokenness of the human condition, there are those gathered here today that are grieving. And Lord, we are not asking that you take the grief away, 
Let grief do its work. But Lord, we pray for the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Come alongside this morning. Draw near, Lord, as we've drawn near to you and comfort in the midst of grief. And then, Lord, once again, we thank you, wonderful counselor, that in Christ we have been freed from guilt and shame, that you took our sin at the cross. And if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You are wonderful counselor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.